0: all right everyone welcome to strictly baseball i'm jacob brown joined here with steve cash and we're back on the pod today previewing the 2023 mlb playoffs. steve how you doing
1: doing good man it's uh it's good to be back uh it's been a it's been a long time i mean we've got gotten to catch up here and uh it's been a really exciting uh season um i know we've both been you know finding our stride here and the real world in our jobs here but uh you know, find some time to uh, to catch up, talk some playoff baseball. You know, you can't beat it. Uh, it's been it's been a hell of a ride this season. Um, just excited to go over these matchups and and it's it's something different. We talked about before we hopped on uh, teams we haven't seen in the playoffs in some time. Um, some different matchups, uh, some unfamiliar faces, and you know it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fun October, and I think it's up for grabs um, for anyone on uh, the American League side and. And we know we have your usual suspects there on the NL, but uh, I'm excited to get into it, man.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, we were coming up to playoff time. I was like, man, I, we, we got to do a, a pod with Steve. We got to get it in. We got to do this for the baseball playoffs. It has been a long time. I'm glad we're doing this. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's a ton of crazy playoff matchups going on this year, um, including – I mean, look, you know, we've been through a journey this year in the American League East. I just read a post the other day. This is the first time where we've ever had the Orioles and the Rays finish at the top. Rays and Red Sox finish at the bottom. Both of them finish, excuse me, the Yankees and the uh, Red Sox at the bottom. Uh, It's the first time it's ever happened. So it's been a wild year in the American League East. But even for the Tampa Bay Rays, who, yeah, they may have known they were making the playoffs way back in May or even really April. I mean, let's just be honest. Week two, it's like, oh, my God, they haven't lost a game. They're making the playoffs. With this pitching staff and blah blah blah, but then the injuries, and then they kind of started treading water. What's it been like being a Rays fan this year?
1: Ah, uh, gosh. I mean, every year it seems like it's a roller coaster of emotions, right? Uh, I mean, the the season starts off uh, on, on such a high note. Yeah, you go fourteen games straight, that losing a game, everything's trending right, and then you know, two three weeks into the season, uh, Jeffrey Springs goes down, then Drew Rasmussen goes down. And you can't help but think, oh, here we go again with the, with the arm injuries. And it was prevalent throughout the league this year. It wasn't just, you know, Tampa that it happened to. Uh, you're looking at, you know, closers around the league uh, getting hit with the, uh, the Tommy John, uh, the bug here. And um, it's, it's been an up and down ride. The fact that they were able to tread water um, and, and overcome the adversities. Uh, we know the Wander Franco story. Uh, you know, Brandon Lau getting hurt at the end of the year. Just a lot of, you know, trials and tribulations throughout the year. Um, but the fact that they were able to ride it out and shows that the depth that they have um, to get through it. I um, mean, look at Taylor Walls coming up and playing a big role while Wander Franco was out. Brandon Lau coming off, you know, a slow start picking it up. Unfortunately, gets hurt. Junior Camarero at the end of the year coming up. Uh you know, Basabe playing second base. You know, Jonathan Ronda. You look at all these random guys that they have in their farm system. Like, where do they keep finding these guys at? Um, so, nevertheless, it's been a it's been a usual uh, ride as a Tampa Bay Rays fan. But um, if you'd have told me they won ninety nine games, losing McClanahan, uh, Rasmussen, Springs, and really just being beat up all year, I would tell you you're crazy. But um, the fact that they're back in the playoffs it just shows Kevin Cash knows how to piece together a lineup. And we'll see what happens. You give yourself a chance. But uh, it's crazy the fact that they win the
0: division with 99 wins. But
1: hats yeah. off to the Orioles,
0: man. Yeah. And, you know, the, the main thing behind the Rays, I don't think anyone really points out. It's always, oh, the Rays front office and blah, blah. This all started with Joe Madden, And this is Kevin Cash's team. And he's been with the Rays for a long time now. You could argue he's been way more successful than Joe Madden ever was. Now, Joe Madden obviously went to the 2008 World Series, and that was in a full 162-game season and all that. Kevin Cash, I would argue, has done better. He has been to the playoffs now, what is it, five consecutive years for the Rays? it has been in the playoffs. So this is this is a legitimate team and has been for years. So I get that it's the front office and all that, but you have to have a guy, and as we've seen with the Yankees' ineptitude with analytic usage, you have to have people that know how to actually use it. And Kevin Cash is an And a strictly baseball tradition, of course, there were technical difficulties right there. We're back here after a short break. But I was saying, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's Kevin Cash's team. you got to give him a lot of credit. And as we've seen with the Yankees and the way that they cannot use analytics, you got to have people that can use it. And the Rays have been doing it for years. And the one area that you have to criticize the Rays is the amount of injuries because it's that is also a track record. I got flamed on social media for saying it. But you're right, too. The, uh, the Rays, great job for weathering the storm, getting through the season, and, and getting to the finish line, making the playoffs, and hosting home games in the playoff, because that matters. We're in the wild card series. Only one of those three wild card teams, in terms of, wild, if you the, the last division winner is technically considered a wild card team, but they're still a division champ. If you're one of the three wild card teams, only two of them get, or, or one of them only, plays all three home games, so... That's a significant thing. The Rays did that and good for them. But as we preview this series, I don't know how confident I am in the Rays, despite how good their season was. I love Texas's lineup, despite it going AWOL. It didn't even show up in the final series against Seattle, except for one game. And of course, Seattle, I mean, heartbreaking season. You look at the National League, they had three, four more wins than teams that made it in the National League. Seattle's going to be watching from home. That's painful especially because Seattle's fan base in stadium would double the amount that's going to be in any Marlins home playoff game or something like that. Let's just be honest here. That's just that's what the case is. So, yeah. Uh, it's
1: it that and to, to piggyback off your point right there real quick. I had to like interject a little bit. It's, you know, with a team that played really good baseball down the stretch um, and just couldn't figure it out um you know they went on they went on a good little run there um in the last quarter of the season had a good stretch but um you know as we saw how competitive the the american league was we knew one team that was gonna be playing good above 500 baseball wasn't gonna make it and unfortunately the mariners you know end up falling a game a game or two short and you know that city loves their baseball and you know people are gonna rag on the rays probably for their attendance the marlins if they make it through their attendance at home games but um, unfortunately, a city that loves their team not make it, but uh, you know, it's it's part of it, man. Got to win the games in the when it counts.
0: Yeah, that's a factor that has to be brought up too. Major League Baseball, if you're trying to get the Rays fans, and we talked about this in chat earlier, Steve, you're if you're trying to get fans to games, if you're trying to build a Tampa Bay fan base, don't put the games in the middle of the week at three o'clock. Nobody's gonna go. I mean, I I've texted so many friends today, just testing it out been like, hey, bro, uh, I you know, I can't go because I got work and I'm not an actual Rays fan, but I know you are. Tickets are 25 bucks in the outfield. Would you want to go? Oh, man, like I'd love to, but it's Tuesday. I wish I could. That's just going to happen, and it's just unfortunate. They should have given them the chance at night, um, but like how do you beat a Philadelphia home crowd? How do you beat uh, all these other home crowds? So it's unfortunate in that respect. Back to the baseball aspect. I'm not just saying the Rays aren't going to win because, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. If you've listened to this podcast, I've hated on the Rays or been, you know, in jest, I guess you could say over the years. It's because of Texas's lineup. I think that Texas, although it went, you know, it did not score against Seattle. They are deep. They might, to me, be the second best lineup in the sport right now. Um, And they've got three guys at the front of that rotation that can go. And I would have said the same thing for the Rays, but Tyler Glasnow limped to the finish line. I'm telling you, if he had gone in and been their ace in September and had some sort of electric September, which he did not, I would have been saying the Rays are going to do this. I don't know because I don't. I, I'm not even confident in Game One.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, hit it right on the head there. I mean, if, if Glasnow had a consistent. Uh, September there, I, I think we're we're talking about a completely different story. You know, he comes out there um, against the Red Sox the last two um, you know, matchups they had in September. Um, he was averaging 13Ks in those outings, uh, 14Ks uh, at home, goes out and throws five innings last week, ends up with 10 strikeouts, and just looked lights out. But come to that series where they played the Orioles late in the season, uh, giving up an eight spot there and just absolutely just dropping the ball so you just don't know what tyler glass now you're going to get um late in this season and come playoffs you just can't roll the dice and hope that you're going to have a good outing and going up against this you know texas rangers lineup i mean you look at it from top to bottom i mean you look at adolis garcia mitch garver um Seeger seager marcus simeon nate lau I'm, i mean you're just looking at star power and firepower up and down that lineup Tons of hits, tons of RBIs that have been there consistently. And unfortunately, the Rangers didn't win the division, which they were leading for about 80% of the season. And the fact that they didn't close the deal at the end is just absolutely shocking to me. So, I mean, I look at this lineup one through nine and and there's not many holes there. And you have you, you guys on the bench that could fill in for them as well. I mean, you're looking at Duran, uh, you know, Evan Carter, Brad Miller's on the IL. He had a decent enough season. But, I mean, you're looking at a team that can place guys in uh, when it counts, and they got the pitching on their side too. Uh, Jordan Montgomery had a great season. And Nate Evoldi, I mean, that's probably going to be your one-two punch here if it goes to game three. Um, I mean, right Montgomery. now it's, it's TBD for game two. Um, if it goes game three, still undecided. So. I I think the series is a, is a toss up. Um, I I just don't know how glass now is going to come out game one. Um, That's a really big, it's a tone setter tomorrow. And with it being a three game series, the winner of tomorrow's game is, you know, you're, you're playing with house money at that point.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, this series has the potential to go three. This is also, you know, for casual fan, this is not the Rays' offensive last year either. Josh Lowe before the year, I said it. I, I, I said it on a podcast, I think, with Rory. This dude is going to come out. I looked at his triple A numbers before the season. I said this guy is the full package, six foot four lefty. You could put in the middle of the lineup if he comes in. And then he ends up stealing 20 plus bags. And it's like, wow, this guy really is a five tool player. Um, so I I love, you know, so the Rays offense has dudes. And so there Yandi Diaz, I'll just say it on now that I've been on a podcast for the first time in a while, he's better than Pete Alonso. He had a better season than Pete Alonso. Yandi Diaz won the batting title in the American League. He is better than Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso had a terrible season and he was terrible in the playoffs last year. So uh, the narrative needs to shift in regards to position player. Now that Yandi Diaz is a first baseman, got to rank him as such. And I remember Steve, we were talking about this like 2 years ago when we were doing position Yandy Diaz should be a first baseman because he's terrible over at third. So now he's, he's he's been maximized as a player. He's amazing. Then you've got a Rosa Rosarena. Then you've got Harold Ramirez. Then you've got Paredes. Then you've got uh, uh, Junior Caminero, which that's the last thing we'll address in regards to the Rays. Does he start, Steve?
1: Uh, I think in terms of the, the approach, the plate that I saw in the last month, I think... Not even last month, the last two weeks. I, I just think he has that big league look. Uh, the sound off the bat um, is there. He's got good discipline. He worked counts late. Now the playoffs are a different animal. Um, but if I am going to pick a guy to go in there, and, and I think he's not afraid of the moment. Um, it looked like he was big league ready when they called him up. Just no nerves up there. Um, I, I just it, it's going to depend on matchups. I mean, you know, Kevin Cash really likes to to go against the lefty righties. He wants the, the advantage for every one of his players. So given tomorrow. Um, it's a lefty, lefty matchup for walls and Montgomery. He may go Camonaro. It's a right-handed bat. It just depends. Uh, I, I, but I think the kid's a stud. Um, he's going to be, I think in the, he's going to be in the big leagues for a long time. He kind of reminds me of you know, wander Franco and, um, has that big league look. So I, I think, yeah, I know you're laughing over there, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough being a race fan, man. You gotta, it's the next man up. It's the next man up. But, uh, I think he's the replacement for him, and I think I don't know why you wouldn't start him. But, um, you know, to piggyback off, you had to end it out for the Rays. Um, I think this lineup can go toe-to-toe with the Rangers offense. If they can show up, Yanni Diaz can be disciplined at the plate. Um, You have Paredes, who struggled at the the end, but, I mean, he was hitting for power early on. Um, You got Randy, comes alive in October. Jose Siri potentially could be coming back um, from a fractured hand here and uh, Harold Ramirez. So um, I, I like their chances. It's just going to depend on the pitching matchup. You know, can they pitch how they have been all year? If that's the case, I think they have a good chance to compete and, and push the series and move on.
0: Yeah, and one thing, if Siri does play, every ball for the last 10 years in Tampa Bay has been caught in the gaps in center field. Him and Kiermaier, it's ridiculous. Like, it's so frustrating. So uh, the other series here in the American League, and I was, I was so glad. For the Minnesota Twins that they did not have to play the Houston Astros because I was thinking to myself, they get screwed every time they're in. It's either the Astros who are a perennial contender or it's the Yankees who so they lose to every time. This time it's the Blue Jays, so uh, for me, this is great for them. I still think they probably lose though because the Blue Jays are probably a better team. I uh, look at the Twins lineup, unfortunate that Correa is not playing but he didn't have that good of a season. So he was still an average to an above league average player. He's still Carlos Correa. You still want him playing in the postseason, but he was not Carlos Correa this year and he's already having the ankle problems. That's terrible. Uh, so the, that contract, I mean, you see why the whole off season drama happened year one. We have problems with this ankle. So, but you look at Julian, the rookie, you have Kepler, Ryan Jeffers, um, Uh, Kirill These are guys that don't really scare you, but they've performed as a team. They only won 87 games in a bad division where the second place team is the tigers, which a lot of people probably don't even know the tigers finished in second place. They probably just assume it's Cleveland. Uh, So Minnesota, you know, I, I don't see it. Toronto can hit. The only thing I don't see for Toronto, they're not at their home stadium. So they get carried by that. The fact that they're on the road, in a cold environment that might affect them. But I I still think Toronto wins the series.
1: Yeah. I'm on board with you there. Um, I I just think that Toronto is just too deep um, on the offensive side. Um, You know, do I think that the Minnesota twins 18 game playoff losing streak ends? Yes. I think they, I think they snap that streak and they push this thing to three somehow, some way. But I just think at the end of the day, I think I got, I have Toronto in three just based on, you know, the top to bottom lineup that they have Um, given their inconsistencies all year. I'm still going to take that lineup, you know, towards the tail end here. Um, Just too much firepower. And I'm looking at, you know, Toronto's, I mean, their road record this year was, was better than most. I mean, they were 45, 46 and 35, excuse me. And they were 43 and 38 at home. Uh, A pretty consistent split, you know, when it came down to, uh, you know, playing on the road this year that, you know, they weren't, notoriously bad on the road they were they found their their stride towards the second half of the year when it looked like they were kind of fading away there um weren't finding consistency up there on the mound but you know ultimately at the end of the day the hitting you know carried them to the finish line and look at the last series they had they were able to score some runs in the race there um dropped two out of three but they scored eight they scored 12 um in that game too um but they somehow found a way, and I'm looking, like I said, down from top to bottom. You have Vlad Jr., you have Whit Merrifield, Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman. Kevin Kiermaier had a sneaky good year. I mean, that was just absolutely surprising to me. If you would have told me that guy was going to bat 265, have you know 36 RBIs, eight home runs. I mean, had a consistent year for himself getting on base. Um, you know, George Springer found himself towards the end of the year. So – you know, I look at that lineup, not many holes. They are a dangerous lineup. They get on base. They make you pay for free passes. And um, I just don't see this Minnesota team scoring enough runs to, uh, you know, to ultimately take um, take a team like that down.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing is, you know, I mean, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan. I, I mean, those guys are – they're good. I mean, Pablo Lopez had a fantastic year. But uh, Sonny Gray, if you work him to a full count, he's walking you in the playoffs. Uh, so – you know especially Toronto and I think you
1: gotta look at the um, and I was reading a good post you know about the twins you know the the thing that could give them a chance if they can keep it a one run ball game down down late their back end of their bullpen is pretty solid you have Emilio Pagan you have Brock Stewart you have Yohan Duran so I mean if the game goes down to a one run game and they're ahead late it's playoff baseball you get it to the back end of your bullpen toss it off you go hey give me the best you can at the end of this game shut them down but like I said, they gotta keep it that close with that star power lineup that Toronto has. Do I see them keeping it close when it gets to the seventh, eighth, ninth inning? I don't know. But um, you know, like you said, Sony Gray, Pablo Lopez, can those guys carry them to enough innings to get them past it? But um, I just I, I there's just not a way I see it happening. I just really don't.
0: So who would you rather be? The winner of this series that has to go on and face Houston. Or the winner that has to face Baltimore.
1: Oh, I think I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take my chances with uh, playing Baltimore. Um, I, I just think that team. You look at how the youth of the youth of that team. Given yes, they had a great, amazing season, 101 wins. But you look at their one run game record. They were 30 and 16 in one run games. They were they were able to win. They come from behind games and win in an extra innings. And they were they found a way somehow, some way. But does that luck run out? You know, do, can you stretch that? Can you stretch that into the postseason? That's something I, I'm interested to look at. Now, given they had just absolute nails up there, you know, as a team all together. the pitching came together all at once. The hitting just never went away. Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, but. I'm going to take my chances and play the Baltimore Orioles and roll the dice there, just given the youth of the team. Um, I think you, there are some holes in there. How experienced are they come October? It's a different animal. Um, I just don't – I would not want to play the Houston Astros who somehow seem to turn that light switch on when it matters. They were down and out in the last week. No one said they could do it. They came on the way back, swept the Diamondbacks, 1-0 shutout, 2-1 to win, and a 6 nothing win yesterday. Their pitching stepped up in the last series, and I just wouldn't want to face that team who's can be red hot, you know, when the, the championships on the
0: line. No, yeah, I, I do agree with you there. I mean, the thing, the thing with the Orioles is I, I don't know how they won 100 games. I mean, a lot of it is Mojo and the fact that they were a team, but you've got Bradish, you've got and, and like what else? You know, Grayson Rodriguez went up and down with the minor leagues. They started the season with Cole Irvin in there. He went down to the minor leagues. John Means didn't get back until a few weeks ago. Um, Jack Flaherty was acquired. He hasn't been that great. Uh, Dean Kremer, uh, you know, decent. Kyle Gibson, like Tyler Wells had a good run there. So it's like they really like cobbled it together and then had the 8-9 with Bautista. And now that you don't have Bautista, who, by the way, you mentioned guys who have had Tommy John. He's one of them, unfortunately. Came out epic intro, all that. Um, you lost that now, and now it's in your Cano, who, if he didn't have that beginning of the season stretch, who is he? I, I, I hate to be that blunt about it, but if he didn't have that, it's just true. So um, I, I just look at it and I say, yeah, I'd probably rather play the Orioles, but their lineup is deep. The Astros just know, I mean, at this point, they do know how to win, um, and they do know how to win in the legit way now. So, you know, can't throw that in their face anymore. So throw that over to the national league and which see this series. I feel like we can, I I hate that Rory's not here and we can't just trash the Phillies because they're going to destroy the Marlins. I I just, you know, and, and CJ's not here either. And, you know, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, CJ, he doesn't care anyway. You know, I don't think he's going to watch any of the game, but the Phillies are going to destroy the Marlins.
1: Yeah, I – you know, I had – like I I told you before we hopped on, I had my predictions sitting in front of me, and I'll reveal them, you know, towards the end here on on what we have. Um, I think the Marlins somehow find a way to win a game. I really do. I think they do win. If they can sneak sneak away one, it'll be – they somehow find a way to win game one. But it's some false front. It's a false hope. And I think they – Game two and game three go go Philadelphia's way. Um, I just don't think the Marlins, the Marlins did show a lot of fight. I did like how they, uh, you know, Skip Schumacher had them. You know, they had that mindset all year. They were like, hey, we're not out of this. We're going to grind things out. It got rough towards the all-star break there. They were treading right around 500, fall below 500. Looks like the season was slipping away from them. Um, you know, two big, big injuries towards the end of the year. Sandy, I don't think, was healthy all year. Then you have Ira Perez was – you know, down and out. So losing two key pitchers like that, um, in a, in a series that you're going to need innings pitch and you're going to need, you know, your workhorses to go for you. Um, I think that's a big blow for them. Um, and I just don't think they're going to be able to score enough runs to overpower that Phillies offense. Um, that's a team that's been there, uh, to the world series last year, they're looking for vengeance. They're looking to come back, but, um, you know, I'm just looking at this uh, Marlins pitching staff and you're looking at, uh, like I said, Sandy went seven and twelve this year, um, not his usual self. Uh, Zardo went ten and nine. Uh, Braxton Garrett nine and seven. Edward Cabrera seven and seven. So there's really not a guy on that rotation that scares me. So yeah. to your point, I think the Phillies will dominate, but I do see Miami winning game one tomorrow. You can bring this back up if they don't, if they get clean swept. But I think the Marlins do find a way to win one game. But it's a gentleman's sweep.
0: All right. Yeah. No. Th- th- that's fair. I mean, Lozardo gets game one, and I think it's Braxton Garrett game two. Um. It, I just think for them, like that crowd's ridiculous. The the Philly crowd is legitimately like one of the top MLB crowds in the last ten years uh, that I've seen, at least. It's up there with Boston and and Chicago Cubs. Uh. It, it's it's pretty unreal. I mean, I think it broke like the decibel record last year. I just feel like. For Lazardo, who I had him on Fantasy Baseball this year, this guy would give you 32 points, 34 point, and then minus 18. So this guy, I, I, sometimes he's on and sometimes he's off. And if he's off, that's brutal for the Marlins. Now, I also would say this. The Marlins had to deal with a lot throughout the season, as you said. It got brutal in the middle. Jazz Chissel missed a lot of time. He was on and off the IL. And... Sandy was not the same guy as you said. So they did deal with that adversity. They could have been a lot better of a team. Maybe they could have made other additions throughout if they had known certain things were going to happen. Yuri Perez, if they had had him for a full season, what type of team would they be at that point? You got to remember, Trevor Rogers goes, I mean, last year he was great. This year he disappears, so they lose him and he's out of the picture, so they got to replace him. I'm um, So they they dealt with a lot and still were able to make the playoffs. They could have been an 86-87 win team if one or two games go their way. Which, by the way, if they play one more game and they're able to finish the Mets game, they have 85. So they're basically an 85-win team. Um, So give the Marlins credit. I'm not trying to, like, destroy them. But, like, I just feel like going into Philly, they're going to get destroyed. But moving on to Arizona-Milwaukee. This series changed enormously today with the news that Woodruff is once again down with an injury. He missed most of the season, came back at the end, much like John Means, came back at the end, pitched kind of shorter type of starts, got himself ready for the playoffs, and then he's down. So now it's just Burns, who wasn't Burns from last year, and Peralta, who is sort of back to his old self, and then you kind of mix and match from there. Milwaukee, I guess, can hit now even though you look at their lineup and you're like, okay, like I guess Mark Canna and Carlos Santana are like all-stars again. So they, you know, they, they're amazing. But I I just look at the Diamondbacks and that lineup is legitimate. They're going to roll out Gallon and Kelly. And I think they could win this series now.
1: Yeah. uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, but I'm still going to go with the Brewers here. Um, I I think the fact that their offense was able to produce enough runs down here late, uh, really just taking care of business. I mean, I look at their schedule, you know, sweeping the the Cardinals there at the end, taking uh, two out of three. Actually, they they played the Cardinals seven times to end the year, taking, you know, five out of seven there, taking care of the Cubs there um, at home, and just really kind of taking it to teams. Uh, They played the Yankees and took two out of three from them when they were playing some of their best baseball year towards the tail end. Um, I, I think the fact that they're able to produce enough runs here gives them the advantage. Um, the, the Diamondbacks themselves found themselves in a rut towards the second half of the season. They were, they almost fell them. They took themselves out of the wild card spot. They were cruising on cruise control. It seemed like going a slump yeah, for 20 yeah. games there. And and they found themselves clawing them their, their way back. But credit to them. They were able to bounce back with, their ability to pitch towards the second half of the year. And they were able to get enough runs scored as well. I mean, I look at the Diamondbacks pitching staff, Zach Gallen had a, a really great year. I mean, 17 and nine with three, four, seven. Uh, look at Merrill Kelly, uh, 12 and eight with a three, two, nine. So you have a good one, two punch going into this series. And that's the biggest thing with these three game sets is, can you have, do you have a one, two combination that can match, if not rival the team that you're going up against? So Having Woodruff down in this series definitely changes the dynamic of it. I do agree with you there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're going to have to score a lot of runs. I think you're going to have to score to beat this this Milwaukee team that has kind of felt themselves offensively um, as of late and um, really gave a Cubs team that had hopes and aspirations for the playoffs. They just buried them, took them out of it. And, um, you know, I, I have them right here. I have the Brewers in two. Wow. Um, I, I, have, I have them in two. So.
0: Wow. That's great. I mean, I feel like the, every year you have a series that you don't think is going to go your way. And I, I do agree with you. Like the Brewers are like, they probably will win the series, but I just look at all these series. I'm like, well, um, picking Texas, who's probably the favorite even though they're the lower seed um, going with Toronto, even though they're the lower seed, they're probably the better team. They had more wins. I'm going with Philadelphia because they made the World Series last year. They're the heavy favorite. And then I feel like if I go Milwaukee, I'm going favorite every series. Look at last year the Phillies were the third wild card seed and they won a series. I almost feel like I got to mix something in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these series there were a lot of toss-ups. I mean, it's a three-game set. Um, You know, we've we've moved past that one-game wild-card play-in game, which I'm thankful for. Um, You know, you go 162 games all year, and you have to get rewarded in playing a series. But tomorrow is a massive day for every single. Whether you're a favorite in the series, if you're a massive underdog, you have got to look at it as it is a one-game play-in game. If I win tomorrow. I know I'm guaranteed game three and I, I I'm playing with house money. So if you're a, the road team tomorrow plays, a, I think they will come out and play a lot looser than the team that's playing at home. Cause there's much more to lose. If you're the home team, you lose that first game, you better have a response come game two. So I think it's gonna be interesting how it shakes out. Um, like you said, I think you look at a lot of these series on paper, but anything can happen in a three game set where if we're talking fives, Five game series in the ALDS or if we're talking a seven game set I, I think you're looking at the heavy favorites like Philly just taking care of business in five or you're looking at a you know a Brewers team that could scrape it out and win in six but a lot is uncertain with this three game set. Uh, tomorrow's a big tone setter for every series and um, some, half the teams are in the chopping block tomorrow so it's it's going to be fun to watch and I'm really ready to go man.
0: No, me too. Me too. It's uh, it's it's a great bracket, even though it is a lot different and uh, I'm definitely excited for it. The games are at three o'clock starting and then they continue for the rest of the day. So, uh, you know, I love, I love waking up being like, Oh, you know, day of baseball, day of playoff baseball. It's a lot of fun middle of the week and all that. So um, out of the team, so I- I'll pose the same question here, I guess, who would you rather be the team that has to play the Dodgers or the team that has to play the Braves?
1: I feel like this one's a lot easier. Uh, actually, okay. no, this one, this one's – you look at it both – this one's a little bit tougher because I do think you have two really dominant teams that are ultimately going to find their way to the end here. If I were to pick one of the two, you're flipping a coin here. It's it's You're picking the lesser of two evils. Uh, I think I'm going to go and play the Dodgers um, given that they – you know, had their World Series run in, in 2020, beating my Tampa Bay Rays. Um, before that, we're talking about notoriously a franchise that was choking every single year. Couldn't make it to the promised land. And it took a short season for them to get there and finally go over the hump and Kershaw to figure it out and get over that that mental grind of, hey, I, I'm getting over just whatever what it was in the playoffs. So yeah. if I had to pick a team, I'm picking the Dodgers to play. You Be know, careful what you wish for, though, because they have been there. They have a lot of firepower on that offense. Mookie Betts is having an amazing year. Uh, I mean, you look at their pitching, has hasn't gone away. Uh, Freddie Freeman's having an amazing year as well. So there's not many holes in that lineup, but I look at the Atlanta Braves, and good God almighty, that team is locked up until 2028, 2029. I think even beyond that. Good luck beating that team. Acuna is on a tear. He's going to set, I think, the stolen base record. Um, I, I, he's, he's on pace to set some record this postseason. Um, one through nine, no one, there's not a bat that I am not afraid of. And you look at Spencer Strider, had a great year. Uh, Max Freed, just absolute death on that team. I just, I wouldn't yeah, want to play the other No, he,
0: he might not be ready, and then Morton's done uh, right Morton's now. And in the season. Yeah.
1: Oh man. And Freed, what's he? Uh, is he on the ten day?
0: I I don't know. I don't know the details about Freed. But but there there's injury issues.
1: Okay. Here yeah, I'm pulled. Let's 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 check it out. Let's see. I've got yeah, some Morton and Freed on the 15 day IL. Um, I know Morton was dealing with some stuff all year, towards the back end of the year. So yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So that changes the dynamic a little bit here. So. I'm still still sticking true with that with that with the Braves though I I just think offensively how are you going to slow them down
0: yeah I I, I've genuinely not not seen a lineup that deep with that many got with the average with the homers with the ribbies with the steals I mean everyone's a five-tool player in in the lineup it's insane uh except for Matt Olson who just set the Braves home run record so it doesn't matter so it's like oh my god it's pretty crazy so uh, yeah, Le'Anne Bray is one of the best teams in recent memory to me. If they don't win the World Series, it's a shame. Um, I, I think that they beat the Dodgers. I think they beat the Phillies. Unfo- you know, and, and, and this is where you know if Roy were here, he would stop me in two seconds. I, I just, it's it's the Braves year again. I think Acuna is on a tear. Now, I, I do think this, the Phillies lineup is the second best in the National League. Harper's playing first base, Bone's playing third, Swar- Swarber's DHing now, so you get his horrific defense out of left field, and so, you know now Marsh plays left field, I think it is, and then mm-hmm. uh, uh, they're putting Rojas in center, and then Castellanos in right, just so it's better defense. That's a lot better for the Phillies, and they all rake, too. Stott had yeah. an amazing
1: you, you, you present a pretty great point there and uh, i we', were, we were kind of we kind of went over um you know the fact that Philly there was a turning point in that season where Trey Turner was struggling so much those fans kind of rallied around that team and rallied around Trey Turner and they gave him that standing ovation from that point on he has been on a tear he has found himself defensively he's found himself at the plate he's getting on base Biggest thing is he's finding his way on, on the base pass. He's got enough speed to steal. He gets on. He's scoring runs. You look at what they did last year. Kyle Schwarber caught fire. Bryce Harper, unreal postseason. Trey Turner was pretty solid, getting on base, working counts, just a, a nightmare up at the plate. Um, Alec Bohm, I mean, that's another guy people forget about in that lineup. So you present a good point in the fact that this team, if they do get past this three-game wild card, who knows barring a massive upset by the Miami Marlins who knows i mean they could give atlanta all they can handle it's a five game series short it's not seven games so it changes the dynamic there but it is a high powered offense that if you catch them on the on the wrong day and they and they can they can make you pay so um, i wouldn't sleep on the phillies necessarily but i just i think that atlanta philly series could be a really good rematch of last year
0: no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So uh, I'll say, you know, I'll just do a little thing on it because the off season is a thing. So, you know, that's where this conversation mostly happens. But it's just because, you know, I got the alert, uh, you know, Aaron Boone is returning, which is fine. Uh, that is totally fine. Uh, he is not to blame for anything that happened to the Yankees this season. But I don't know if you saw, Steve, the Yankees are getting audited by an independent company during the offseason starting i think today or yesterday probably a monday so they said beginning of october we're doing this audit which is going to go into everything that the yankees do operationally with the numbers with the coaching with the brian cashman with with everybody because according to the yankees some inside source halstein rudder is is tired of being uh you know second fiddle and all this stuff and he you know he doesn't know what decision to make that, that's, to me, the number one problem. How does Hal Steinbrenner not look at this and say, there's one person that is responsible for this, and it's Brian Cashman. He is the person that makes all of these moves. And that's the main problem with this. Giancarlo Stanton is the cleanup hitter of the team. It's a bad move when you look. And, and you know, over the years, I've defended it, right? He had great postseasons over the years. I've said, you know, he's better than people think. You compare him to other guys, he's making less money than other guys that are getting these super contracts. Well, the difference is, though, you look at these other guys that got super contracts, they signed them at the beginning of their primes. Stanton, the Yankees got him at the end of the prime as he's going into his 30s. And as we've seen over the years, the injuries just keep piling up. The decisions that they make in terms of, and, and this is where I think there could at least be a, a tide here that's turning. Aaron Judge came out and he said, the Yankees have the best information in the world. He said, we get all the numbers you could think of. But he said, it's the numbers that they value that is the problem. That can only be one person. It's the general manager of the team. It's the person who puts together the things that they're looking for. And it's been a pattern over a number of years. And one of those things is the barrel percentage, the exit velo, the blah, blah, blah. And we've now seen all of these right-handed hitters that can't run, that hit the ball hard, and it's the same philosophy, and it didn't work. Base-to-base guys, without speed, Donaldson, Sanchez, Stanton, uh, you know, go down the list. Gio Urshela even, right? Hit the ball hard, can't really run a lot. You used to call him fluke shella that's why I thought of it. And then uh, <laughs> and then uh Luke Boyd as well in This guy this never guy played never in played the majors. Play. They saw whoa, his exit velos through the charts. But what's the problem with that? They hit it to the same people. They hit line drives to the shortstop. They hit a line drive to the left fielder. They hit a fly ball to the warning track. Their whole swing is to hit the ball hard and only hit the ball hard. Now the other problem is. They tell all their other hitters, do the same thing. So if you're a guy who has never tried to hit the ball hard, they tell you, hey, you go try to hit the ball hard. And that doesn't work. And no other team does that. The Rays don't do that. The Rays didn't tell Yandy Diaz, go become a home run hitter. They told him, go hit 330. The Yankees don't tell anyone, go hit 330. And it's a fundamental philosophy change that needs to happen in the organization That And look, you can look at the pitching side where they've developed some decent guys. I had an argument, and this is the last thing I'll say, with the director of the Derek Jeter documentary on X, okay, Randy Wilkins. I have never seen a statement that was just so wrong, and I'm not going to pull it up. I, I, I said, player development has been a failure for the New York Yankees. Outside of Aaron Judge and Robinson Cano, and I and I included Volpe just to be nice to haters who I knew would come into the replies and be like, Volpe, Volpe, Volpe. I, you know, because really, what has Volpe done at 209? So I said outside of what position players play anything Any? in the last 10 years, 15 years, nobody. And that's only director of player ops who was hired by Cashman. So it ju- and, and so this guy, Randy Wilkins, responds player development is not judged by winning. And I go, bro, you directed the Derek Jeter documentary. How are you (laughs) saying that? I (laughs) saw this on Twitter too.
1: I saw this on Twitter. It was was comical. It was comical. You were going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, this is absolutely gold. Because the statement is flawed. You don't, yes, you, you can evaluate certain players based on, went on wins and losses but you there, if you have an awful season and you're under 500 there's players on every team that you go wow this, this is a stud this guy sucked well right. we're a bad baseball team but you look at the yankees perennial achievers they as of late know but you look at the early 80s early 90s 2000s this team was the standard was winning 100 games every single year and now you're looking at a 500 baseball club and now you're not going to judge player development based on winning the games. I think it's a very flawed statement. And to your point that you, it's a great, you know, piece, the keys to the keys to the car are given by the Steinbrenners to Cashman to drive the vehicle. And he is not driving this car down the road. He's driving this thing off a freaking cliff. And if they don't change course and adjust course here, they are going to be behind the eight ball in the American league East behind the American the, the eight ball in the American League in general, and the league is going to surpass them. You look at the team like the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers, they reload and reload year after year. They get younger, they get faster, they get quicker. Look at the Rays, not enough money. They buy the assets, they buy quickness, they buy the pitching. Look at the Orioles, got younger, gave contracts to the right guys. Versatility on the base pass, versatility in the outfield, on at the plate, multiple different hitters. Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, Rutschman. Go down the list, and you have different approaches and different appearances. And I'm looking at this Yankees lineup, and it's like now that you kind of bring it to light and the season might have been a blessing in disguise for them is, look, maybe we aren't that good. We have to readjust our structure and our framework, or we are going to get left in the dust. You're looking at an aging Carlos Stanton. Aaron Judge, their best player by far when he's healthy, and he's a winner and he wants to win in New York as bad as anyone else. He said to a reporter at the end of the season, if I'm not talking to you guys at the end of the year with champagne and there's things co- and the lockers are covered with plastic behind me, I don't want to talk to you guys. It doesn't matter. It's a guy who wants to win, but the people running the show aren't allowing it to happen. And the last thing I'll say about the Yankees is, you know, I revert back to Moneyball. It was a great, great clip in that movie was when they said, you know, your goal isn't should be by players. It's to buy wins. And to buy wins, you got to buy runs. You have to buy assets. And the Yankees have to kind of develop that philosophy and go, hey, we need to go get some speed. We need guys that are going to grind at bats, not just home run hitters. You have enough guys like Judge. I mean, you have DJ LeMay who can find a stride off here this year, but, and then Stanton that can hit homers as well. So you have power pieces in that lineup. Now you but, have to protect. But, 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 now you have to protect them with guys who can get on base and make pitchers pay for that, in a, sen- in a sense. That's my
0: thing. Like, you can't go into next season with the top four of the hitters being the same, and that that or even the top five. They might do that, like like based on right now. Stanton's under contract. How do you move him? DJ's under contract. How do you move him? Because DJ, great second half. I don't care. I mean, he he was terrible in the first half. He was terrible in the second half of 22. Uh, he played injured, whatever. I, I don't care. He's they, they signed to a six-year deal of 32. So uh, he cannot be the leadoff hitter going into next year. He has no speed at the top of the order. Then you got Glaber. What do you do with him? The, the Yankee fan base, when they battle about Glaber Torres, is crazy because they're so hypnotized by a bad team that they look at Glaber as like this holy figure. And it's like, he's good. And he, he had a great season with home runs, but he makes a lot of gaffes. And if his best peak potential is barely over an 800 OPS, which is good. I get it. You can find other things and not have to pay him $20 million and put him in the same, in the middle of the lineup and have the look be the same. And then Rizzo is going to come back. They're not moving him. So it's like, What are they going to do? You almost have to like buy Stanton out. Like to me, you you have to pay Stanton off the four years, 98, or you have to find some team that somehow will take him with prospects. And I don't think that's going to happen either. And then you got these young guys and it's like, do you even use them? Like, you know, you complain about the player development. Do you give the prospects a chance? Well, if you want to be good, you can't let the players develop. Because you see Volpe this year, he didn't do well. So it's like they're they're in, in such a predicament that they mm-hmm. don't have a core to surround with young players. If they had a young core where, like, if, if Stanton was 28 and if if LeMayu was 29 right now, I'd be like, yeah, Steve, you're absolutely right. Throw in Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells next year. You got six bats in that lineup. Throw out this year, get some new pitchers, and we're we're good. They, to me... You've gotta like you've gotta clear the team. Like everyone's on the table except for like three people to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I was like, as you're you know, kind of going through the next year's outlook, and I, I was thinking the same thing. What do you do? You're at a point of almost no return where you have to either rebuild But there's no such thing as a rebuild in the Yankees organization. You have enough money where you can go get free agents that can fill the void of certain players. The problem has been in the last few years, they go and fill these voids with the same player. You look at them going and get Anthony Rizzo, no speed, but can hit power. You look at Stan, no speed, but can hit for power. You have Aaron Judge that came up through the system, but same player, no speed, can hit for power. Back when the Yankees were dangerous, they had guys like... That, I mean, back in the Jacoby Ellsbury days, way back when, when the, he could get on base and somehow find a way to get on, had speed. You had Brett Gardner, had speed, to get on base. That changed that lineup a little bit. And the fact that they could, there were guys that if this guy got on base, man, we're scared this guy could steal bases. We can get them. They could score runs that way. Now I look at a young, a young team that just doesn't, I don't know. I mean, Glaber, what do you do with him? I think you ship him away. I mean, Volpe came yeah. up, batted 209. And Kyle Higashioka, batted 236. I think he plays a solid game behind the dish. I had no problem with him, 10 and 34 this year. But you had Connor Falefa on, on the bench. I mean, you had Jake Bowers playing outfield this year. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I, it was a Yankees team that I didn't see. I haven't Willie seen in Calhoun. years. Willie Calhoun on there. I mean, Josh Donaldson had a horrendous year and got shipped away. So – Harrison Bader old another one that kind of bit the dust. So the Yankees are in a situation right now where you have to go make some big splashes in the offseason. You have Otani on the market. Um you can't pitch, but that's someone to go look at. You have Matt Chapman, and we talked about that. Um, you know, what do you do yeah, with him? I mean
0: like to me, Chapman's the same thing. He's he's going into his thirties and mm-hmm. he's barely above league average with the hitting. And it's like he's just gonna decline. It's it's gonna be the same mistake, and he hits the ball hard. So it's like, I, 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 he's a great player, but is he what they need right now? And Otani, I don't think it's going to happen. What I would do is go for Soto as hard as possible. So yeah, if They don't have a left footer and they need youth.
1: I think you could go that route. Or, I mean, even Cody Bellinger, I mean, he had a resurgent, resurgent year yeah. this year. Um, I mean, you're playing with, with very you know thin cards this year. There's a lot of free agents that are out there, mainly pitchers. There's a lot of pitching on the market this year. Um, but I don't think that's been the Yankees' problem. Pitching has been there. I mean, look at Garrett Cole this year. I mean, brother had one of the best years of his career. I mean, he was dominant. I mean, he went 15 and four with the 263 uh, in 33 games started. He's 32. He's still got a few years left in him. I mean, Domingo Herman uh, up and down. Oh, I think oh. you have a hole there. Uh, Carlos Rondon,
0: Yo, full year. Did you see the last thing he did at the end of the year?
1: Yeah. No, I I, I saw yeah. I saw it. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do um if where you're the Yankees, you do have some spots there for the in the pitching staff that need addressing as well. I will rescind that statement. Outside of Garrett Cole, you had really not much working for you there. Um so, yeah, I think it's a big look in the mirror year for uh, offseason for the Yankees. Um, what does Cashman do? I think if you don't make any moves that are going to make this team significantly better this year and you produce a 500 team next year, I think you get him out um, because he's not making the right moves, um, at least with the farm system, uh, with assets that you could trade to get these pieces midseason to maybe turn things around. He's not doing a whole lot of anything. Um, so it's a real. It's going to be a really big Offseason season for this uh, American League East, the Yankees, the Red Sox as well, because um, you have youth that is getting better um, at the top. The Orioles aren't going away. The Rays are the Rays every year. Um, Toronto's had a good year. So you're looking at a five-deep team um, division that the Yankees and Red Sox are looking at themselves like, hey, what do we do here? And the Yankees are sitting in the thick of that. So
0: yeah,
1: a lot of decisions to be made.
0: It's true. Yeah, no it- – that's the best thing for them, though. They they look, they look can't look at this division anymore and say, hey, we'll pay our way to the top. You've got to fight and actually outsmart and outplay people now. That's the best thing that could have happened. So, uh, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens for them in the future. Um, yeah. And, and, and really, the most damning thing, and this is how I'll end it, the most damning thing you could put on his resume is when he said they couldn't go after Harper and Machado because they didn't have enough or whatever it was, or Harper couldn't play first base. I, I mean, like, I see that screenshot all the time on my timeline, just pulled up, and it's just that, – that's just damning right there. That's a bad move. You went for Stanton instead of Harper and Machado, period. That That's a fireball offense. So, yeah, yeah, this I'd was agree. great. Yeah, no, it was a great pod, though, Steve. Uh, you know, I, I, I really – I would have ended it earlier if if the Giants were scoring, but I knew I wasn't gonna miss anything. They haven't scored a point in this entire forty eight minutes. It's nine thirteen Monday night football. I'm gonna go watch the rest of the first half, see if they could tie this game against Seattle. Because if they don't, Steve, the the, the Giants could be like seven. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the Giants are in a predicament here. Uh, just your
0: Bucks fucking winning. What what's going on?
1: Something in the water. Baker Mayfield, baby. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Play the Oklahoma Fight song, baby. But uh Yo, yeah, if you would have told me if you would have told me you've been three we've been three and one to start the year, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, I think they're more athletic with Baker Mayfield back there. T- Tom Brady, maybe he was the problem. Too old, can't run. But um the season is young. Can they win a division and give us some hope? Who knows? But uh I will leave you all with my prediction for the World Series here. Oh, yeah. My eight, my NLCS is going to be – I think anyone can pick this. I think my younger cousin can pick this. Uh, Atlanta and L.A. are going to play each other in the NLCS, and I have Atlanta in seven games. Oh. The American League, I had the Tampa Bay Rays over the Toronto Blue Jays in six. In the World Series is going to be the Atlanta Braves and the Tampa Bay Rays. And unfortunately, the Atlanta Braves went in seven games. And anyone knows, I don't pick my team. I did it this year. Somehow I will believe, and I believe in this offense. I believe they can somehow piece together. That is my world series prediction. Call me crazy.
0: It's it's not though, because again, you, you get you go to play the Orioles. And then it's the Astros. You get through the Astros, you're in the World Series. So somebody's got to beat them. They've been in the World Series five straight years,
1: and, and that's what everyone's been saying. And and, we, and it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun postseason because the American League is wide open. The National League, we kind of, we know what we're going to expect. The American League is wide open. We talked about it. The Orioles, youth, the Twins are the Twins. Who knows what happens with them. The Rays can they piece together like they did in 2020 to get all the way to the World Series? Do the bats get hot? Houston, they've been all they've been there every single year. Do the does those, do those odds continue? Do those odds falter? It's wide open in the American League, so I think anyone it's up for anyone and anyone's game. I'm ready for playoff baseball. Got a full slate tomorrow. We'll be texting. We'll be doing another one of these before the end of the playoffs and the postseason. Next season preview. Mark it down. Yeah and we'll be rocking and rolling
0: yes and uh peace out to miguel cabrera adam wainwright uh likely zach granke joey Votto, maybe brandon crawford this was like fr- childhood. Was as a- yeah the childhood and days dad- are over. yeah my dad's a get used to it so uh i guess we will have to get used to it so uh yeah, we will be back for one of these uh, before the end of the playoffs. It was a good time, and playoffs start today because this pod's uploading on Tuesday. So thank you guys for listening. It's been a while since these podcasts, and uh, this was a great time. So follow us on Twitter at p, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.